Happy New Year, everyone! Today is Tuesday, the second of January, two thousand twenty-four. In today's episode, we will answer the question of whether rate cuts are a prerequisite for a strong performance of U.S. equities in twenty twenty-four. We will also summarize Tuesday's trading day. Make sure to follow the slides while listening to this episode. The link to the slides can be found in the description. Throughout 2023, there was a notable link between the 10-year Treasury yield and movements in the equity market. A significant portion of last year was dominated by the magnificent seven, driving the S&P 500 higher, while the remaining 493 stocks lagged behind. The dominance of these select few resulted in the S&P 500 outperforming its equal-weighted counterpart. But when the 10-year Treasury yield took a nosedive after hitting 5% in October, the equal-weighted index surged back, mirroring this trend showcased on slide one and two. This correlation between the S&P 500 and the 10-year Treasury yield remained evident throughout the year. When Treasury yields fell, it often triggered a rally on the equity market. Jim Bianco from Bianco Research, in an interview on Bloomberg's The Open with Jonathan Farrow, backed this correlation, noting that 2023 saw the broader market in a sideways drift until yields fell significantly. Bianco anticipates a reverse in this trend when yields start to rise again, signaling a potential downturn for U.S. equities. This certainly is an insightful observation from Jim Bianco, shedding light on the delicate balance between Treasury yields and performance of U.S. equities. The markets are placing hefty bets on significant rate cuts from the Federal Reserve this year. Currently, they are eyeing a whopping 150 basis points of rate cuts, and the markets are pricing a 70.4% probability of a cut in March. And here is where it gets interesting. While expecting as many rate cuts as 150 basis points, the markets also expect that the Fed is able to orchestrate a soft landing. It's like the markets are painting a rather optimistic picture. But you start to hear whispers on Wall Street casting doubt, suggesting that perhaps these anticipated rate cuts might not see the light of day from the Federal Reserve. This raises the key question that I touched upon at the beginning of this episode: Is it a prerequisite for a rally in the equity market that the Fed cuts interest rates by as much as 150 basis points? If the correlation between 10-year Treasury yields and stocks persists into 2024, the answer to this critical question might lean towards a yes. Picture this hypothetical situation: an economy resilient and inflation holding strong at around three percent. Now, if we assume a 150 basis points of rate cuts, that would set the effective federal funds rate at 3.75 percent. Deducting that three percent inflation from the effective federal funds rate leaves us with a real federal funds rate of merely 0.75 percent. That seems too low for a robust economy. In such a case, those hefty rate cuts that are being priced in will probably not materialize. 
the markets will have to price them out, which will cause volatility, cause treasury yields to rise, which will likely put downward pressure on equities. Oppenheimer Asset Management believes the S&P 500 will finish 2024 at a level of 5,200. However, and this sort of leans against the statement that I made earlier about rising treasury yields putting downward pressure on equities because we potentially don't get as many rate cuts as are currently priced in. Oppenheimer Asset Management's chief investment strategist, John Stoltzfus, said to Bloomberg on Tuesday that he expects one to two rate cuts from the Fed in 2024, but he still anticipates the S&P to rally to 5,200. So Oppenheimer does not seem to believe that rate cuts are a prerequisite for a rally in the equity market. One must also remember to take into account that there are cheap sectors in the equity market and expensive sectors. According to Dow Jones market data, some of the beaten down parts of the U.S. stock market this year have underperformed the technology and growth-related sectors by the widest margin on record, and MarketWatch reported about this phenomena. In my opinion, if the U.S. economy continues to remain resilient, we will see or we could potentially see a rally in the, in the cheap sectors of the market that have not yet participated in the rally of 2023. Jurian Timmer, director of global macro at Fidelity Investments, said to Bloomberg Surveillance on Tuesday that many stocks have not participated in the rally, which is a great second chance for investors to benefit if they did not participate in the rally of 2023. He said this despite of his expectation that one of the stories of 2024 will be the Fed walking back the dovish narrative which is something that will likely cause treasury yields to rise. In a no-landing scenario, stocks that have not participated in the rally can still perform well, even if treasury yields rise. That is my expectation. It is important to stay away from stocks, in this no-landing environment at least, that have increased mainly due to multiple expansion because as pointed out by Jim Bianco on Tuesday, if you want to get further multiple expansion, you need lower yields. In a no-landing scenario, you would get higher yields that will cause problems with multiple expansion. So what we learned from this analysis is that we should stay away from expensive stocks in the case of a no-landing and invest in stocks that have not yet participated in the rally and that are trading at relatively low multiples. Examples of such lagging sectors include consumer staples, energy and utilities. Those sectors were all in the red in 2023. Financial and healthcare increased in 2023, but underperformed the broader market. Hence, they're also a source of opportunity. Let's review the economic data released on Tuesday. U.S. S&P Global Manufacturing PMI for December came in at 47.9 versus the 48.4 estimate. This is shown on slide 3 of the presentation. The prior month was 48.2. The survey reveals that supply continues to exceed demand for many goods, which points to downside risks to production employment, and prices as we head into 2024. The 
U.S. Census Bureau reported on Tuesday that construction spending during November 2023 was estimated at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $2,050.1 billion, 0.4% above the revised October estimate of $2,042.5 billion. The November figure is 11.3% above the November 2022 estimate of $1,842.2 billion. During the first 11 months of this year, construction spending amounted to $1,817.1 billion, 6.2% above the $1,711.1 billion for the same period in 2022. This is shown on slide 4 and 5 of the presentation. Spending on private construction projects increased 0.7% in November after rising 1.2% in October, according to Reuters. Investment in residential construction advanced 1.1% after rising 2% in the prior month. Outlays on new single-family construction projects slumped 2.9%. What does the construction spending data mean for the outlook of monetary policy? Christopher Rupke, chief economist at FWD Bonds in New York, said to Reuters, quote, construction activity is one reason the Federal Reserve rate hikes have not brought the economy to its knees like the economic models from other business cycles had forecasted, end of quote. According to Reuters, economists expect housing to have contributed to gross domestic product in the fourth quarter. Jeffrey Roach, chief economist at LPA Financial in Charlotte, North Carolina, believes that, quote, investors should expect home, build home builders to grow their business this year as the residential real estate market benefits from lower rates in the upcoming months, end of quote. We continue to see an increase in the amount, in the amount of people that are pointing towards a rebound in housing, which could cause a reacceleration in inflation. Torsten Slock, chief economist of Apollo, recently said, quote, a recovery in the housing market has started, driven by the Fed's pivot, rising consumer confidence, falling mortgage rates, solid job growth, solid wage growth, and pent-up demand. The Fed will soon be forced to reverse course and be more hawkish, end of quote. Mortgage rates have fallen below 7% again, which is shown on slide 6 of the presentation. Housing makes up 40% of the inflation basket, and if we see a rebound in housing inflation, that will cause inflation to increase, which will cause the Fed to turn more hawkish, which will cause Treasury yields to rise. We saw a slight pullback during Tuesday's trading day. The S&P 500 fell 0.6% as of 4 p.m. New York time. The Nasdaq 100 fell 1.7% and the Dow Jones Industrial Average was little changed. The performance of the indices are shown on slides 7 to 9. Oppenheimer Asset Management's Chief Investment Strategist John Stoltzhus said to Bloomberg on Tuesday, quote, it's not uncommon for markets to pause to digest a bull run of the magnitude experience in the fourth quarter just ended. In fact, it would appear to us to make good sense for markets to pause, considering the run-up in stock prices, end of quote. The yield on 10-year treasuries advanced 5 basis points to 3.93%, and the Bloomberg dollar spot index rose 0.7%. The euro, euro against the dollar fell 0.9% to $1.0942. 
Regarding the recent rally on the bond and equity market, Bloomberg Economics believes, quote, if Powell is right that inflation can slow further without a sharp increase in unemployment, then the stock and bond rallies are justified. However, if traditional empirical economic regularities hold true, then this inflation won't be painless and the peak effect of the Fed's rate hikes on the labor market are just about hitting. That is it for today's podcast episode. Have a wonderful evening or day and see you again on Wednesday.